Well, good morning, church. Let's go ahead and stand together.
somebody give him a hand this morning. We have victory. Who believes that this morning? We have victory in Jesus. Amen.
sorrows. Jesus is bitter. Make my heart believe in every victory. In every victory, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe more than any comfort, He's better than any comfort. Jesus is better. Make my heart believe more than all riches. moment, but make my heart believe that you're greater than all riches. You're greater than any comfort I could humanly experience here. And this morning, our soul is declaring that you are better, that you are good, that you're a great God, and you have our best interest in mind. You deserve all the honor and glory and praise forever, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Y'all can be seated. We want to thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, we're, uh, I'm not the normal guy up here. For those that are new, our pastor's on vacation and we're glad that he's able to take a little break and well-deserved at that. Um, but we're, we're thankful that you're here and we're glad and we're going to just dive right in this morning. As I begin to prepare for this message today, I started thinking about something that we're all kind of thinking about now. Uh, I've been going to a lot of trainings for my job, and we've been talking about when things get back to normal. And we all think about all the things that we want to happen. We think about all the things that we want to see get back to normal. Um, and like I said in our meetings, they say you can start doing a, a, this kind of lessons or this kind of teaching once things get back to normal. But right now we have to go with this thing or this way. And we're all longing for that sense of a normal life again. But when I was thinking about this, this sermon, I was starting to think about the things that maybe we don't want to get back to normal. What are those things in our life that we want to, that we want to see change? What are those things in our lives that we want to, to leave behind with 2020 when we leave all this craziness behind us and we get back to what we think is a normal life? What are some new things that we can implement in our life to become our new normal? And this morning we're gonna talk about what it means to live in a new normal and, and what God desires and what Jesus is desiring out of us and how he wants to help guide us into being uh, in that new normal. Jesus wants us to partner with him. He wants us to, to have that part of, of a new normal life where we trust and rely on him. We're gonna start off in Matthew 11 and 28 this morning. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and, my burden I, or, and the burden I give you is light. This morning he's saying, I want you to partner with me. That we all have things that we, we wanna carry on our own. We all have these burdens, as it mentioned. We all have these, these struggles that we try to carry on our own. 
But, but Jesus is saying here in Matthew that if you come to me, you take my yoke upon you, that I can give you an easier life. I can give you that peace that you're looking for. Jesus is asking us to partner with him so we don't have to go at life alone. We are linked with him. Partnering with Jesus makes our life easier and lighter. We need to find a new normal and realize that we, we're not created to do life alone. Now, growing up in church, they used to do this all the time, and I don't do it very often. It was one of those things when I wanted to be a preacher that I wanted to do. So look at your neighbor and say, don't go alone. Come on, you can do better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, don't go alone. All right, there you go. There must be a new normal of partnering or yoking up with Jesus. This world that we live in is changing so quickly. We can see in just the last few months of, of how crazy and how upside down our world has become. Jesus wants to help us like never before. He's wanting to, to yoke with us. As I said, take my yoke and be able to partner ourselves. That way we don't have to go through this crazy life that we live by ourselves. Now the interesting thing that I found about the word yoke or partnering up a lot of believers, uh, a lot of people that study the Bible believe that, that Jesus, we all know, that was a carpenter and that there's a good possibility that he built yokes. That, so he knew exactly what he's talking about when he was saying this because that he built these, these yokes which was created to put on an oxen or, or, and for them to be able to plow the field. One side would go on one oxen, one side would go on the other. And they would plow this field. Now, usually during this time, what they would do is, is they would partner up two different oxen, one that was older and one that was younger. And the reason behind this is, is the older oxen had been plowing that field for many of years. It had experience. It had, it had a, a knowledge of what the owner or what the farmer expected of him. He knew how to make the straight lines and he knew the field and he knew where, where to go and where not to go. But he was also older. So he needed that young oxen. Its job was to, to provide the power, to provide the strength that would, that would till up the ground, that would, that would cut through the hard dirt. And together, they was able to make what they was looking for. They was able to plant their, their harvest. See, like, I started thinking about this and I thought about when I was a kid, and my dad began to teach me to mow grass. And, and I had watched him and, and I learned and I thought I knew what I was doing. And so I decided one day I was gonna mow the grass. My first time ever mowing it, it looked like someone had done zigzags and circles in our yard. I had no idea what I was doing. I left, I left places with, with grass, or the grass high and, and I left places that was like, it looked like I had just sat there with a lawnmower with bald spots, it looked awful. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the experience to know how to make those wonderful straight lines that every guy desires in their yard. I didn't, my dad came home and just started ticking because the, the yard was not what he wanted it to be. I didn't have that experience. And then when you think about the other oxen, I told, I've told this story before in ministering that there was a time that me and my brother decided that we were gonna do a garden together once I had got out of the house and got married, and we were going to do it at our parents' house. I went out, me and him, we plotted out this, this section of land at my mom and dad's, and we decided to begin the process. We were supposed to go half on the work, half on the vegetables. My brother went half on the vegetables and left me with all the work. We began to till up this land. I borrowed a tiller off of Brittany's aunt, and it had to be the oldest, probably the first gas-powered tiller ever made. It was old, it was dull, it, was, it did not want to do its job. I began to finally get that thing started, and I began to try to till up that ground. It beat me to death. I had bruises on my arm. I could not get it to stop. It took off without me. It was just, it was, did not do its job. I had worked for 45 minutes on that garden, and I had a section smaller than between these two speakers right here of a, of a spot that would be actually able to have vegetables in. And as I was going 
and beating myself up in the hot sun and, and throwing that thing and, and trying my best to, to, to do what I wanted to do, about ready to give up, a man starts driving up the road in a tractor, because that's what they do in Greenup County. Starts driving up the road in a tractor, and, and he has this thing attached to the back of it, and he sees me out there sweating. He sees me out there frustrated. He sees me out there kicking and yelling this stupid machine, and the struggle that I was going, and he says, hey, can I help you? I'm going to till this up for you. It took him maybe eight minutes to till the entire garden of something that I had been trying to do for the last hour. His equipment was more, had more strength. It was newer. It had more power behind it and was able to do the job that I was trying to do on my own. See, well, that's, that's what he's saying here. If you link up with me, I can be whatever you need. The older oxen wasn't powerful enough, but the, but the younger oxen wasn't wise enough. See, when Jesus tells us to yoke up with him, he wants it to become together. And those two became one powerful machine. The, the experience and the wisdom met the power and the strength. And Jesus is saying, if you come to me, I'll be able to carry your burden. I'll be able to, to make life easier for you. And Jesus wants to do that for us. A key thought this morning, we can't solve every problem or carry every burden. The reality is, is that we are not smart enough to solve every problem. We are, not, that we are not wise enough to solve every problem that life gives us. And then the, the, the reality also is, is we're not strong enough to carry or to do every burden. We just don't have the strength behind us. But with Jesus, the, the great thing about him, he can make the difference. He can be the other oxen. If you have the, the wisdom, he can be your strength and your power. If you have the power, he can give you the wisdom. Or if you need both, guess what? God can be both. Uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty four through 25 says this. But those that call are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and, the, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. What he's saying here is if you want to even... If you want to say it this way, that even on God's weakest day, he's stronger than our strongest day. And even, even in the, the time that, that God may be seen uh, to be or we don't see God, he's still stronger than we can ever be. Even on our best ability, even when we think we have the best wisdom, when we think we're powerful, when we think we're able to do something, even in the end, God is still greater. So why would we not partner with him? Jesus invites us to partner with him. So we can have an easier life. So we can have a more satisfying life. A more rewarding life. We can find that joy and that peace of mind. Listen, we are so many times as, as Christians and as, as in the human flesh, we're looking for that satisfying life. And lots of times we look for it all in the wrong places. We look for it in things that we think we can achieve, whether it's a getting a better job or, or getting a different spouse or finding new relationships. We look for it in all the wrong reasons because we're looking at things that we can change. But if we focus and partner and become a new normal, God can be that thing that you're looking for. He can give you that satisfaction that you need. He can give you that peace of mind that you need. He can be both of the oxen. It's, it's human nature to kind of, to not really believe that, right? We, we lots of times try to put limitations on what God can do. I'm reminded of the story of, of when Jesus came into the house and they, they lowered the man that was paralyzed from the, the ceiling and they laid him in front of him. And the first thing he said to the man was, your sins are forgiven. And then he healed the man. And, and the people there in the begin to have a problem with that. They had an issue of wondering why he thought he had the power to give salvation. They had an issue and a problem by limiting God, thinking he did not have the power to, to forgive this man from his sins. They didn't have a problem with him healing the man. They had a problem with him saving the man. And today you kind of can reverse that. Today we're all about forgiveness and everybody's wanting you to forgive this, and, and, but, but they don't see or believe lots of times that God is able to heal you. 
whether it's physically heal you of a disease or, or a sickness or, or heal you mentally and mend and, and, and heal relationships. They don't believe that God is able to do that because we continue to put limitations on what God can do. We need to believe in all of Jesus, all of his power, all of his strength, all of his wisdom. We're gonna talk this morning about John chapter six. That's where I'm gonna get most of the, the content for my message today. And this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, this story here is recorded in all four gospels. So that goes to tell you that the only thing, the other thing that happened that's recorded in all four gospels is the resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus. So that, that's the only other thing that's recorded in all four gospels. So they tell, it tells you how important they found this how significant and how amazing this miracle actually was. I personally have a hard time visualizing this. I don't know why, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, because other ones seem kind of simple and I remember as a kid learning about the different miracles of Jesus and I can see, as I mentioned a while ago, Jesus walking and healing and saving the man that was paralyzed. I can actually see, as I tell the stories, I can see and visualize the woman reaching for the, his garment to be healed of the issue of blood. And I can see him spitting into the dirt and rubbing it in the man's eyes and healing him uh, from being blind. But when we talk about this story, it's so hard for me to understand how in the world he was able to multiply out of something so little, so great. I believe that it happened. Don't get me wrong, I know that it happened. But it's so hard for us to see how he was able to do that. John uh, 6, 5, and 6 says this. Jesus soon saw a, hunger, a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was uh, testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Now, I want you to pay attention to that part right there. That's something that was completely, I don't know how I missed that throughout the years, but something that really spoke to me this time is he already knew what he was going to do. He was just testing Philip. So that tells me with my next key thought that God had a plan before you ever had a problem. Before a problem ever occurred to you, God had a plan. Before this virus ever started, God had a plan. Before you came through a financial hardship, before you had to go through a hurtful divorce, before you had to go and separate yourself and go through hurtful um, relationships and, 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 and loss of a loved one, whatever the situation you find yourself in, before you ever had a problem, God had a plan. We look back to going back to the scriptures here on John 6. It says Jesus turned to Philip. And he asked him, Philip, are you going to solve this? Or are you going to turn to me? And Philip comes back with a reply that it's impossible. He, it, actually, what he said was it would take a half a year's wages for each of these people to have one bite. So he's telling him, even if we would want to spend that kind of money, and we would find a store that would have that kind of, that kind of food on hand, it's still impossible because you're wasting your time because they're still going to be hungry because they're only going to be able to receive one bite. Sometimes, and some things that don't add up to us, like I mentioned this story, sometimes just in, in our human minds, we can't comprehend this. It doesn't add up, but God already knows what he's going to do. When, when reading this, I was reminded, a lot of you all know that I recently just graduated from school, and um, when I was going through that process, I had finished and seen I had about eight weeks left. They were sending me the emails you know, if you're planning on graduating at the end of the semester, you need to apply for graduation. Uh, you need to submit your application. You need to pay your money. Forget about all the thousands of dollars I paid for the tuition. They still needed that $60 in order for me to graduate. But he, they, I went through all the process. I was excited. I could hear the music in the background. Da, 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 da. You know, I was excited. It took me four years, to, or it took me eight years to get a four-year degree. I had been... Through this, I am over this. I'm ready. I had a job that I felt like I was going to have lined up. I knew that I was going to be able to somewhere succeed and get a job right afterwards. I was getting ready to apply for graduate school. After I applied, went through everything, I got an email from the admissions office saying, 
you are one class short of graduating. The wind was knocked out of me. I could not understand. I was so mad. I was angry. I was aggravated. I thought, here I am, finally pushing through, finally getting to the place that I knew that I was able to get to. I had worked so hard and fought, and life had thrown me things before, and I knocked down, and I had messed up before. Listen to me, young people. When they tell you to know what you're doing, when you graduate, know what you're doing. I wasted so much money and time on classes that never mattered, and, and I, had, I had fooled around and not done my work and failed classes, and I was so mad at myself, thinking if I would just had passed that class this time, or if I went back to that semester and could change this, and I start beating myself up, and I could not see a solution besides I was going to have to take another semester, not be job ready, and have to wait a whole other year before I could work in my career. I was devastated. I was so angry and mad. I began to talk to my advisor, which told me that I was able to graduate. She couldn't see the mistake. She couldn't see the problem. She was aggravated. So she said, this is what we're going to do. She said, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to open up a class. It's just going to be me and you. I'm going to be the professor. I'm going to make it easy on you. We're going to still do work. I'm still going to teach you. We have eight weeks. We can make it an eight weeks course. and We can get it done. So I started to be eased up a little bit, started to find myself getting out of that situation, but then I was reminded I had already applied for my student loans. I had already accepted my student loans, and, and there was no way of getting another loan. And everybody that's taken classes know that it's like $2,000 for a class. $2,000 that I didn't have, that I did not see, and I didn't see how in the world it was going to happen. So once again, I was knocked right back down. That There was a solution, but I was not going to be able to take part of that solution. And then when this coronavirus hit, I began to get these emails and right when it was the week that I had to let them know, you know what, you've been teaching me in this class for like a week, I don't have the money to pay for the class, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to come back next semester. It was at the deadline and I get a call from Moorhead to allow me to know that they had changed the policy of their payment system. That, there is a, that they have changed it now that anywhere between 12 to 18 credit hours is one flat fee. And that I had already met that requirement in my payment. So I was able to add that extra class without having to pay any other money. So God was able to, I didn't see it happening. I didn't see the, the, the works of where God could, could move and I didn't see how it was possible, but God had a plan before I ever had a problem. God was able to take care of my situation before I ever even knew that it existed. And all I had to do was learn to trust and rely on him. That's what he's saying to us this morning. That's what he's wanting us to do. He's wanting us to, to understand and to, to partner with him that he can solve it. We can't solve it on our own, but God can. We can't carry it on our own, but God can. Philip was trying to solve it. He was trying to solve the problem and couldn't do it. And we read later on, Andrew was trying to carry it. John 6 and 8 and 9 says this. Then Andrew, Simon uh, Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? He's pretty much saying, saying in other words, even if I would take that, what's the point? Only a couple people are going to eat. I can't carry it and make it multiply through this whole crowd. See, God can do a lot with a little. And when we can't see and we see the impossible, God has the solution and has the possibility and has the, the abilities to change our situation. We just have to have a little bit of faith. The Bible says faith the size of a, a mustard seed. If we can just be able to change ourselves just a little bit. If these things that we started talking about in the beginning of this sermon, of, of these things that we know needs to change in our life, our attitudes, our way of life, or the way we live, if we begin to make small adjustments, small ones, in the right direction, God will begin to take that and multiply that and be able to change, and we'll be able to see a life change in us. If we keep our hands out of it, God can do it. And when we keep our hands in it, we find ourselves struggling, we fail, we get disappointed, we feel defeated. But when we let God take care of it, a new normal happens. A new normal way of life that, that we do life and the way we do our marriage and the way we do business and the way we, we, we begin to work at our workplace. The new normal is partnering 
with Jesus. Jesus will take it and make it something great. John 6 and 10. And we continue with this story. It says, Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. So Jesus is getting ready to do something, right? We, they all saw the impossible. And he's saying, you know what? I, I got this. Have a seat. He broke them up into groups. And he begins to pray over the, over the, the food. So let me back up for a minute there. He put them in the groups. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't make a plug for life groups. Our life groups here are life-changing. I say that all serious since I believe that 100%. Life groups are such an important part of who we are and who you should be as a Christian. We, you want to see your life change. You want to see your life go in the right direction to start making a step to the right direction? Join a life group. And I'm not just saying that because something we come up with. We're not the only church that does life groups. But this is the way Jesus modeled it for us, right? See, the power of God, the teaching of God, the power of the miracle came from Jesus. He distributed it out to the disciples, which distributed it out to the groups. And that's the model that we try to live by here, that, that Jesus gives the power and, 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 and the teachings. And we, we have people here that, that are called in the teaching and that are called in the lead in these groups, and then they're able to pour out and be able to lead this group into success. And, and this is where you find yourself forming relationships to where you don't have to go to life alone. This is where you find yourself, it's easier to open up to maybe things that's going on in your life to allow the people of your church to pray for you than to get up in front of everybody right now in one setting and say, this is going on in my life. No one expects you to do that. I don't want to do that. No one wants to do it. But when you're sitting in a group of, of 10 or less and you find yourself with relationships, these people care for you, these people love you, these people want to see you succeed, that's when you can begin to open up and God can start doing things in your life. One person can't carry it or solve it, but together we can. So to continue on, John 11 and 12. It says, Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. So not only did he provide enough for them to eat, they was able to eat as much as they wanted. When we start this new normal that we're talking about, we will start with a little, and God can make it to a lot. We'll find ourselves wanting and be able to get satisfied again. We'll be able to find ourselves having satisfaction in our life. When God's blessings start to flow, and, and when we start finding ourselves in this new way of life and be a part of this new normal, we have to be mindful of not being wasteful. The Bible in this story goes on to say that they got as much as they wanted and they actually had leftover. And Jesus was able to take those leftovers and, and, and separate them and give them out to the disciples. See, when Jesus begins to do things in your life and these strongholds and these, these situations and these things that you're facing today that we're talking about, allowing God to, to give that over to God, when he begins to move in your life and bless you, and he gives you that, that, the finances that you're needing, when he gives you a, a talent, when he gives you a calling, when he gives you a blessing, we can't be wasteful of that. One thing that this quarantine taught us, we can't be wasteful. How many of you all found yourself being mindful of how much food you was cooking or, or how much toilet paper you were using or how much paper towels you was using, how much cleaning supplies you was being able to use? This, this time of us that we're getting ready to go into this new normal, we need to take that and apply that to our lives. When God blesses us with the finances that we are looking for and the jobs that we are looking for, we can't be wasteful. We gotta be able to give back, right? We gotta be able to bless others that are in need. We gotta be able to bless the church as the Bible instructs us to do. We gotta be able to, once he blesses us with a talent, when he gives us a gift, we gotta be able to do exactly what he's asking us to do and, and step out and work in that calling. We cannot be wasteful of what God has given us. We gotta know this. God has a plan before you ever have a problem. Know that God can do a little or God can do a lot with a little and know we need to be mindful and not wasteful. Real quick, when we talk about coming to Christ and partnering with Christ, there's three different things I believe that we need to do in order to get there. And the first one is to come into him. The Bible says, come into me. 
so to humble ourselves. It takes humility to look to him. See, when we do our, our own thing, when we don't go to God, when we, when we don't come into him like he, he asks us to, that's pride, that's control. We have control issues, we, it's, it's in our mind. I had a preacher that I was listening to a couple weeks ago that was talking about control and had people that had control problems and letting go of control of their lives. And he said, don't be fooled when you say you have a control problem over your life, that you don't wanna let go, that you, you have a hard time letting go and letting God because you cannot control something that you do not own. You cannot control something that is not yours. He says, so control over your life is a delusion because our life does not belong to us. It belongs to God. All of our purpose and everything in this world belongs to God, so we cannot control something that we was never meant to control. Pride, I can solve this. I can take care of this. I'm fine on my own. And you might be able to do things to your, in a degree. You might be able to, to solve some of the issues or put a Band-Aid on it for a minute, but to fully be satisfied and for full, to fully get through your circumstance, you cannot do it without Christ. We might be over, overwhelmed and, and can't solve these problems, but if we come to him, he can make it easy, as the scripture said earlier. He can make it, he can make it a, a lot more bearable. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. After everyone was full, I'm sorry. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. There's those words again. Those that are weary and those that carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. We have to come to him with our issues and our problems. To, this is a command that he gave right here. Come to me. And he, we see this in multiple places in the Bible. This is one of the most, the most often used uh, commands that Jesus would use. He told the Pharisees, come to me that you may have life. He told uh, in the Bible, anybody that may thirst, if they come to me, I will quench that thirst. I will give the ever, everlasting water. He, he told the, them to, not, to hold the children back, allow the children to come to me. He told Peter when he was on the boat, come to me. When we come to him, we receive from him what we couldn't receive on our own. If your marriage is lifeless today, if you come to him, he can revive it. If you are broken, come to him and he can restore you. If you're hopeless, he can restore your hope. He can, he can give you that, that satisfaction that you're looking for. Come to him and stop trying to solve it and carry it by yourself. Second Corinthians 3 and 5 says this. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own, for qualification comes from God. Pride always starts in our mind and, and we think we can carry it but our, our sufficiency comes from God. As I mentioned earlier, that's how the Pharisees, they thought that they can get to heaven by themselves. They thought their way, they can get to heaven on their own. But listen, you cannot get to heaven by yourself. You cannot, they could not, I cannot. You have to have God in order to succeed. Secondly, take my yoke. He's asking us to take, harness with him his power. When we harness ourselves or yoke ourselves with Christ, we become one with him. As I mentioned a while ago about the, about the yoke, he become, we become him. We, when we, this happens when we get saved. Uh, we become one with God. When you yoke with somebody, you become that person. 2 Corinthians 16 and 14, or 6 and 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? If you grew up in church at all, I can't count the number of times, especially when I started to get into uh, the age of dating, that my parents would tell me not to be unevenly yoked. And the importance of what it meant to be not be unevenly yoked. And what this is saying is, is that if you, what does darkness and light have in common? What is a believer and unbeliever? We should not have very many things in common with somebody that's, that's not a follower of Christ. 
And the, and the scary part is, is if we connect ourselves with somebody that is not a non-believer, then we can become that same thing. When, we, when they don't have God in their lives and they have depression and anxiety and they, have, they can't find joy, when we're connected to them, we feel the same way. This is why we teach our kids to be careful who you partner with. So we gotta be careful who we connect with in business, who we connect with with our friendships and our relationships because we can become them. This happened with us and, and, and Christ when, and when uh, he died on the cross and we accept salvation. I don't have the scripture, but it says Christ gave us who he was and we gave him who we were. It, 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 both times it says, uh, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become righteousness. That's found in him. So in other words, he never knew sin, but we brought sin to him. When we yoked up with him, we accepted him as, as our Lord and Savior, we gave him that sin for him to bear, for him to be able to go to that cross and to forgive us of those sins. And in return, we become his righteousness. When you yoke yourself with Christ, you become his power, you become his strength, you become his wisdom, you become his compassion. Second Corinthians 12 and 9 says this. Each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in the weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work. What Paul is saying here is I gave him my weakness and he gave me his power. It's that give and take thing again. Is that when I'm, and we're now we're able to witness to that. We're able to speak to that. It becomes a new normal that when we have a problem, whether it be weakness or if we have a problem of temptation, if we bring that to Christ, he has the complete opposite to give back to us. When we're looking for, when, we're, when we have sin, he has salvation. When, we, when we're weak, he has power. When we feel lost, he has the wisdom and, and we're able to find the answer that we're looking for. And then last, we have to learn. We have to gain the experience. See this thing that we're going through right now, this coronavirus or all the crazy things that's going on in the world, this is not the first storm that we've encountered. It might be a different, it might be unique, but it's not even the, the worst thing that we've encountered. The situation that you're going through right now, whatever it may be, is not gonna be the worst thing that's happened to you. And I'm not trying to be all Debbie Downer up here today. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to, you know, the Bible says times are gonna get worse. Things are gonna happen, but here's the reality. If we become with a new normal, when those things come and happen to us and we find ourselves in situations, we can remember. We can learn from the experiences where God brought us from and we can know that if God brought us from this point forward, that he can do it again. That we look around and we see the times that he moved mountains out of our way. We look at times of, and we see ourselves in situations and problems and, and past situations. We will be able to learn on that experience and know that God is able to pull us out. We look back to John 6, go back to the story, and we, we talked about the, the extra that was left. See, they, they said there was 12 baskets left, 12 disciples, and he was able to give one for each disciple. Said so Jesus did this not only not to be wasteful, as we mentioned, but he did this, the Bible says, as a reminder. And not, not just that day. I mean, it was that same day. What, 24 hours hadn't even passed. And they begin to leave after the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and they get on a boat. And while Jesus was praying, there became a bad storm. And they went from having a storm of where they didn't uh, have enough to where they needed to, you know, to, and they needed God to multiply to the, where they found themselves now, not even 24 hours later, in a physical storm, afraid for their life. They was afraid of what, what would happen to them on the boat and the storm got so great they was afraid that they wouldn't even make it and they couldn't connect the two. They couldn't even, they, had the, they still had the baskets of fish and bread on the boat with them of what God had already done for them and they could not connect the two that if God was able to do this great miracle 
of taking something so small and making something so great out of it. If God was able to do this then, not even a few hours ago, I know that God is able to see me through this storm. They couldn't make that connection. And it says that, that God was able to solve the problem once again and took their burdens. And, and, and we, we do the same exact thing. God is calling us to learn from our mistakes. God is calling us to learn from our experiences and learn from the times that, that he's blessed us. That, that the times that we didn't see, I'm sure there's gonna be a time that I'm gonna need to remember God bringing me through that thing with my graduation. There's gonna be a time that I'm not gonna see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm gonna have to remind myself, have the remembering of God's blessings and when he brought me through. He's wanting us to learn in our new normal to be able to understand that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That he's able to do exactly not only what he's already done, but he's able to do even more. See, the disciples had forgot. They had forgotten what God had done for them. And the Bible says, they were amazed for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. In other words, they didn't even realize what God had did for them. In closing, we need to open up our hearts. We need to learn from the miracles and from the blessings and from the things that God has done in our lives. We need to do this very thing and pray and pick it right back up. See, God is calling us to live a new normal. One where, where we come to him, where we yoke ourselves with him. We learn and we remember what he has done in our lives. This morning, I, I'm not naive to think that there's not people here today that's going through something. If I believed that, I wouldn't have, have, have went with this message. I know that there's things that I'll be willing to say there's something that every single one of us sitting here today is going through. I'd be willing to say that, that, there's been, that this might be one of the hardest storms and the biggest things in, of, of your life. I, I, I know what it's like and I've seen and I've, I've talked to people that, that are able to put a smile on at work or, or to come to church with a smile on, but when they go home, they feel alone. They, feel, they don't feel the same as the, that we preach and we say you can have happiness and you can have joy and you can have peace and the, the, the anxiety and depression has to flee. We say all these things and, and, and everybody, it sounds so good. Then we walk away. Either one, not changed or we don't try or, or, or we go and pray and we don't understand why we can't succeed and we just need our hearts to be softened that we need to understand that even though the transformation might not be like that, that there's a God in heaven that loves you, there's a God in heaven that cares for you, and that he's gonna see you through. We gotta understand and remember where you've came from. We gotta remember that God had a plan before we ever had a problem. That's so hard to understand. Listen, I'm human, I understand that with you, I'm, I'm there. It's so hard to, to comprehend that these things that we go through in life, these problems that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, these, these lies and these things the enemy likes to whisper in our ear, it's so hard to understand that God has the solution and the plan and had that in place before we ever had this issue. But listen, if we yoke ourselves with God, if we come into him and we yoke ourselves and we learn our lives, even if I said, like I said a while ago, just a little bit, Make those changes a little bit. Choose to have a positive attitude forcefully if you have to. Even when all you can see is the darkness and negativity, force yourself to have a good day. If you make those little changes, God will start making a momentum and before you know it, your life will be changed. If you start having a little bit of faith in those situations, God will show up. Don't take my word for it, take his word for it. God will show up in whatever circumstance and situation you may be in and change your life. Will you stand? This morning, I'm gonna do something a little different. I know we are doing the, we're, we're social distancing and I don't want 
anybody to feel uncomfortable. You're more than welcome to stay where you are. But I want you to find a place to pray. If you want prayer from with me, you want some people to agree with you, you want people to, to be able to talk to, you want people to lay hands on you at a distance, we can do that this morning. If you feel comfortable to deal at your seat, if you wanna just stand there and pray, I don't care where you're at, but I want you to, to pray with me this morning. And understand this, that there's multiple things that we need to look at. There's, I want you to ask God to examine your life today, that you look into your heart and you see the changes that he's wanting you to make. Whether it's taking away things that he doesn't like in your life, that there's things that's taken away from your relationship with him, or if it's adding to. It can go both ways. There's things that we need to add into our lives to be a new normal. More time of prayer and more time of, of seeking him. More time of build, building relationships with godly people. And there's things that in our life that he's wanting us to give up, become a new normal in our life. But first and foremost, that comes with salvation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I wanna give you that opportunity. That's the first step of partnering with him. That's the first step of getting that new normal and what a new normal life and wonderful life it is. But this morning, I'm gonna lead us in prayer and I just want Nick to sing something and let us just be able to worship together, pray together. If you want prayer this morning, if you want us to agree with you with something, if you're tired of living the way and leaving here the same, come talk to me this morning. Come talk to God this morning and we'll be able to, to try to, to pray. We'll pray with you and we'll see a, a, a miracle take place in your life. I truly 100% believe that. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you this morning for who you are. God, we thank you for your mighty power. We thank you, God, for, for your, your, your wisdom and your strength, God. Lord, I ask that you just be able to open up our minds, God, soften our hearts to be able to see the works that you've already done in our lives, God. Lord, I ask that you just be able to, to touch us today, God, and, and to, to make us and change us into the person and to the follower of Christ that you want us to be, God. Help us find that new normal life, God, that new normal life to where we partner with you, God that we bring our burdens and we bring our, 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 our sadness and we bring our, our anxiety and our depression, God. We bring all of those things to you, God, where you can give us peace and rest and you can make life easier, God, and that, and that we're able to share that, that yoke and that bondage, God, and you'd be able to make it easier for us to bear, God. Help us to find that new normal, God. Lord, I ask that you reveal to us, God, today, God, that you reveal to us uh, throughout the week, God, those that are listening online, God, reveal to us the things that we need to change in our lives, God, to find that new normal life. God, we believe today that, that people are gonna leave here changed. God, we're standing and believing with these people today, God, that, that God, you're gonna move mountains God, that you're gonna move mountains out of their way, God, that by faith, we stand together and believe your word, God, and we call a new normal in their life where, where you get the victory, God. Those, God, that need salvation, it's as simple as this. You say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. Lord, forgive me for the, the sins that I've committed, God. Forgive me for the, the, of, of denying you, Lord, but today I recognize you as my savior and forgive me for my sins. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, God. Lord, we thank you. Continue to worship God today.